Screw that dog. I don't care. Screw that dog. You can be in our podcast, dog. Welcome. It's probably been in our podcast since the beginning. Yeah. It's our uh, our guest star. Dog. <laughs> He's in every episode, I'm sure. <laughs> guest starring. Dog. Dog. Who says we don't have any Nepalis on our show? <laughs> Doug. <laughs> Hi, I'm Big. And I am White. And together, we are Big and White. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia. So, we, <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Big? We are talking about reverse culture shock. Oh, Something yes. Something that I am experiencing right now. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, it's so true. You know, I thought it wouldn't happen to me. I was like, I've been to America so many times. I'll be fine. I know all the things that, you know, are hard. And knowing them means I won't experience it. False. False. And then you move to North Dakota. Yeah. (laughs) The layers are deep. Um, And we will get into it. But first, White, how was your week, dude? How... How have you been? Tell me about life in Nepal. Woo! Well, yeah, so I'm going to continue on the theme of weather from last (laughs) week's hailstorm update that you guys were humongous fans of, of course. Again, uh, big things. The weather in Kathmandu is still really crazy. We're still waiting for monsoon, um, and it's been storming. But the other day... It stormed like right at dawn. Like I got woken up at 5 a.m. because all of my windows were like banging open and closed. And I had to like get up at the butt crack of dawn and close all of them. Oh, my God. Anyway, not the point. The point is it was the storm did not last very long. And so then by like maybe an hour after that. I got ready for work and I like cycled towards the office and I turned the corner and holy crap a moly in front of me are just clear mountains like the Himalayan mountains that we have not seen in Kathmandu since like February because you don't see the mountains during this season and you probably won't, we won't see them again until like November. Um, that's just the way it is. <laughs> but like the mountains were out. Oh and I just like am such a drama that's queen. Amazing. And I gasp <laughs> and take my sunglasses <laughs> off and like put them up on the top of my head. And I'm just like, boo. And I'm like, I'm going to get hit by a car. But like, I don't even care because the mountains are out. <laughs> That sounds like a movie or like a commercial or something. You stop, like pull your sunglasses up. What? Yeah. And then it's like post-apocalyptic world or something. Like that. That's what happens. Different commercial. Yeah. Anyway. A different movie. <laughs> and the sky was so blue. Like the storm had just come at the perfect time. <sighs> and it was just like had completely cleared out the sky. The um, I get a, a notification every morning about what the air quality is. And so like this on this particular morning, it was like in the 30s or something, which is green, mm. which means the air is healthy to breathe. 
And like we don't get that very often. Yeah. In Kathmandu. Right. Like never, hardly. But anyway, just that the sky was so blue that I kind of had forgotten that the sky could be so blue. Like I haven't been outside of Kathmandu in a while. And um the rest of Nepal is not like this, but Kathmandu is in a valley and it's polluted and you just get used to kind of like everything being dusty and and the sky being kind of bleak and you don't think about it Mm. but then you see how blue the sky is and like it almost made me tear up because i had forgotten that the sky could be blue and i was like oh Oh, man i think i need a holiday like i need to get out (laughs) of nepal and and see something that's like green and see a sky that's like normally blue Mm -hmm. but anyway it just felt like it an amazing gift like I had been kind of grumpy the day before and then this happened and I just felt very refreshed and ready for the rest of the week that's so magical yeah that was that was my magical morning Mm. what about you big well I am on a whim bought a yellow convertible Mercedes (laughs) heck yes speaking of blue skies right Yeah, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I actually like I kept seeing it in the at the dealership or whatever passing by. And I was like, man, that car would be amazing because I've been planning to get a motorcycle while I was here in the States. But I'm starting to realize how impractical that would be because I need to like do some road trips. And it's just not as reliable as a car, obviously. And you can't bring like luggage and stuff. So in order to console myself that I'm not going to have a motorcycle. I decided a cool car was in order. Yes. And I found out that this car was only like 5,000 bucks. So, <laughs> um, yeah. My friend said uh, when I decided to buy it, he said, you went from Calvinism to prosperity gospel real quick. <laughs> that is a strong statement. So that's me. I'm planning to do a road trip from hopefully from North Dakota to the West Coast and then down the coast of California in a yellow convertible. And it's going to be the best year of my life. I can't wait. Yeah. So if any of you listeners out there really want to know what Big looks like, just look for her on the coast of California. (laughs) You'll see her. I'm trying to like really go deep into my California roots and identity. (laughs) So. I've always yeah. dreamed of having a convertible car. And this one is a hard top, which is very practical. So oh, I'm that's nice. pleased and excited. Yeah, I'm really, really happy for you. That's super exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Are you going to name it? Yeah, um, I'm going to call it the Professor Eek! because it has a compressor engine. Oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> adorable. <laughs> yeah, shout out to my friend who named it for me. Amazing. Yeah, I told my dad because he was like, oh, yeah, do we need to rent a car when we come visit you? And I said, yeah, I just bought a car, but it's a two-seater. And he was like, oh, we can just tie your brother to the top. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dad, you're so kind and loving. Priorities. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that sounds like a good week. Yep. Congrats. Thank you. Super congrats, dude. Thank you. (laughs) But as a transition, this is one of my ways of dealing with my reverse culture shock that I'm experiencing. (laughs) So we've talked about culture shock on this podcast before, but we haven't talked about reverse culture shock yet, or some people call it like re-entry shock. But yeah, I think usually for some people, actually reverse culture shock is worse because when they go to a new place, it's like more exciting. And then they get back home 
and you don't have the excitement to kind of like hide the other stressors that are happening mm-hmm. through this like culture adjustment process. I mean, I personally thought that it wouldn't be so bad for me because I've been back to the U.S. many times. And I feel like reverse culture shock often happens because you expect to go back to your old life and have everything be just exactly how it was before. And I didn't expect that because I don't really have a stable home base in the U.S., you know, so I knew it would be different, but I'm still having problems. <laughs> it's hard. Aww. And how long exactly has it been? So I've been in the U.S. now for maybe six weeks. Yep. You're still pretty fresh, too. I am, and I'm pretty tired. Like, I'm trying to get good rest, but, you know, you can only do so much. Like, you can only sleep so many hours a day. So it's a slow process to get back to a more well-rested me. Do you think, like, because you went to Oregon first, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you kind of had some time to rest. Mm -hmm. Was that less? Did you feel less, like, reentry kind of stress than now that you're in North Dakota? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's kind of a weird thing because it's like I have these weird layers of like I have America re-entry adjustment, but then I also have North Dakota, which is a new culture for me. Right. And I'm working at a school which has people from a lot of different parts of the U.S. that kind of has its own culture, too, that I don't know. So it's like I'm learning a new culture, but also adjusting to America, like American ways of doing things and Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing that's kind of different probably is that I've been in more rural areas. You know, I'm such a city girl. Like, I grew up in L.A. (laughs) I've lived in Portland. I live in Kathmandu, which is two million people or whatever. So I'm still, I'm, like, on this city level of, like, I'm just more intense than other people. (laughs) Like, Like, I expect things to happen faster. And, like, I expect conversations to be shorter. But everyone around me is, like, calm and slow i mean this happened in oregon because i was in a small town but it's also happening here in north dakota and i feel like often i'm being rude because it's like i don't i just want to like move on or yeah i think it's a big part of it is just like the city versus more rural area thing yeah maybe also because i feel uncomfortable socially Mm, oh yeah then i'm trying to like speed things up i'm like can we end this this is awkward for me bye (laughs) (laughs) you're like leaving people with like whiplash like what what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I think I am. You're right. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Thanks for the chat. See ya. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That girl's intense. City people, you know what I mean? Yeah, boy. You rural people know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are there other things that kind of like stood out to you right away when you got back? Um. Okay, you're going to laugh. Cheese melts so fast here. <laughs> kind of cheese that we get in nepal is like it has buffalo milk in it and it just it's more like swiss style cheese and it like never melts <laughs> i was making something i was doing like tuna with cheese on top you know i stuck it in the oven and it like immediately <laughs> melted <I'm so> surprised. <laughs> and oh like, what else um oh water in restaurants is so cold i can't drink it dude <laughs> first oh of all gosh. it's full of ice so there's no liquid and then I, like, touch it to my teeth, and they're like, no, why? <laughs> so then 
I have to like use my lips to cover my teeth. Like, <laughs> I try to drink it. <laughs> you know what though? The other week I was at some restaurant somewhere in Nepal. I don't remember where, and they served us water, like just water for the table, mm-hmm. and it had ice in it. What? And I was so shocked. Was it like a restaurant for foreigners? Um, that's a good question. It was probably Western style food, but I don't think it was like a super fancy restaurant or something. Yeah. That's so crazy. So, you guys, yeah. if you don't know, in Nepal and most countries in the whole world, except for weirdo America, you don't automatically get ice in your drinks. Yeah, like Americans have opinions about what kind of ice they like. Like that oh, is geez. so bizarre. They're like, oh, man, Sonic ice, you know, like that is the <laughs> best. I just eat that with a spoon. OK, Sonic ice is really cool, though. It's like tiny spheres. I, mean, I love it. <laughs> it does crunch very nicely. Yeah. But I just didn't really think about having opinions about ice (laughs) at this time in my life. (laughs) I'm like, you don't even get, you get like soft drinks here, whatever, soda, whatever you want to call them. And like here, they're like not very often served cold, but they're called by the word cold. They're like, oh, do you want in Nepali? They're like, oh, do you want some cold? (laughs) Yeah. And you know that that's a soda. But they're never actually served cold. Oh, I feel like they're served cold. Puzzle that out. Well, I feel like in the village, like, that's usually where I get Mm, served. Yeah. Stuff like that. Because it's like a real Mm -hmm. treat. Anyway, not the point. We're talking about America (laughs) and culture shock. Yeah. Yeah, the cheese. The cheese surprised me. The cheese. Of all the things to yeah. surprise you. <laughs> I also That's just weird. like generally am <laughs> overwhelmed by all the choices I have, you know? Like I got used to mm. having more limited options in Nepal and I think I really like that. And I'm trying to um intentionally make my life so that I have more limited options, which helps my brain just be less overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, and I've just been I think I mentioned this in the last episode, but I'm overwhelmed by the amount of packaging. Like, everything you buy has so much packaging Mm. that just gets thrown away, especially if you buy stuff online. You know, your box and then, like, you know, the, like, stuff so it doesn't shake around in the box. And, like, ugh, there's, like, so much trash all the time. (laughs) It didn't feel weird to me when I lived here. Like, it didn't, you know, you're just used to it, I guess. But Yeah. Yeah, that has really, like, I know, it's interesting. Every time I come back to the U.S., I notice different things, I think. Um, you know, so it's like the first time I was like, parking lots are so big. And then the next time I went back to the U.S., I was ready for big parking lots. So it didn't mm-hmm. overwhelm me. But something different kind of surprised me or whatever, you know. And I also just noticed like how big people are here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way kind of like our food is in the U.S. And I, I'm, I think probably other like um, affluent countries, too was that the cheapest food is the most processed. Mm. So people who are trying to be frugal, which is like a good quality, end up eating like really unhealthy food. And then it's like so hard on your body, you know? It's very, you know, people are overweight kind of in a different way than they are in Nepal. I mean, there also are like large people in Nepal as well, but yeah, that's something that stood out to me as well. Yeah. Also with people, like, does it feel weird to not be a foreigner (laughs) like to not stick out you know i don't notice that in the u.s so much but i do notice that in europe Mm. like when i was i went to the netherlands in the uk on the way back here because it's like i am a foreigner there but i don't look like i'm not obviously my appearance isn't obviously different 
So people like expect me to know what to do in their country and I don't. <laughs> I always feel like wearing a sign like I'm a foreigner. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> I don't speak your language. I don't know what train to get on. Like I don't know how close I'm allowed to stand in line to you. Like, Even with other big and white people. Yeah. Which I guess I'm experiencing that in North Dakota a little bit too. Even with other big and white people, I don't feel like I fit in. (laughs) (laughs) So with all of that stage of transition back to America that you're in right now, Mm -hmm. have you kind of brought some of your Nepaliisms with you? Like, I'm thinking of a few, but I want to know what you think. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I totally have. One thing is you talked about this on a recent episode is the like high context culture thing where in Nepal, often you don't have to say almost anything to get your point across. You know, you can just like gesture in a certain way, like point at stuff or stand near something and people know exactly what you want. And I noticed a couple times doing that, especially when I first got back, I was staying with a friend of mine and I've known him a really long time. So I feel like it didn't happen with him as much, but his partner, she was standing in front of the garbage can and I was trying to throw something out. So I just kind of got near her and I didn't say anything. And she like didn't get the hint and move out of the way. She just looked at me like, what do you want? (laughs) I felt like that kept happening to me. It was like, I'm not used to using so many words to like <laughs> express myself I guess so many amazing. <laughs> like, really make people uncomfortable <laughs> yeah what else I stare at people too <laughs> like in Nepal it's way more normal to stare at people it's like a form of entertainment you know and I, was, <laughs> I was downtown in this little small town in Oregon and I saw this guy walk out of the police station carrying two rifles. And I was just staring at him just unabashedly. <laughs> like, and then he looked at me and he acted totally cool. He was like, oh, good morning, ma'am. How are you? And I realized he was a police officer. <laughs> but I just felt so awkward. He probably was like, why the heck are you staring at me? Like that? Oh, my gosh. It's not socially acceptable. I feel like that would be a really hard one for me because I love that about Nepal. I love being able to stare. Like oh, you hear best. a crash happen outside on the road. And I <laughs> this happened like two days ago. I was sitting on my sofa. I heard a crash. I vaulted off of my sofa, <laughs> ran into the kitchen to look and see what happened. And of course, like I know all of my neighbors. I can see them all out on their balconies doing the same thing. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> Did you see the uh, meme Nepal post about like uh, what happens when a bomb goes off in Kathmandu? No. <laughs> it was just like a gif of like a hundred people running to one place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like everyone runs toward the bomb. They're like, what happened? I gotta see it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I really do. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh my gosh, you know what? What? Has been so hard for me that I cannot adjust to. I really <laughs> miss bidets. Oh my gosh, yes. The bum gun. Dry toilet paper does not do it for me. I need the water. I'm like kind of grossed out that you just called it like dry toilet paper. <laughs> like, like. It is dry. The prototypical <laughs> toilet paper is dry. You shouldn't need to specify. <laughs> I'm just saying, I also want water in my life, okay? Sure. In your toilet paper. No, not no, in I it. No, I get it. <laughs> Stop. 
Don't make my culture shock worse by judging me. No, I like this might be TMI, but I like seriously considered like getting a cup that I can fill with water and bring into the toilet. <laughs> One of those like plastic college cups that you get at like oh, every yeah. single event. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. That'd be perfect. <laughs> Yep, you should do that. Oh, I'm I'm still thinking about it. I support it. that. Yep. I'm trying to think what else. This isn't something I brought from Nepal, but I notice I talk to myself a lot more. I think it's like I'm coaching myself through being a normal person. <laughs> like, okay, now get out of the car. Wait, where are my keys? Oh, they're here. Okay. Oh, I have to lock it. Oh, which button is it? It's this one. Okay. <laughs> which store was I going to? Yes. <laughs> I do that all the time now. Yeah. I do that too, but I think it's just who I am as a person. So (laughs) don't you worry about it. Maybe it's just you rubbing off on me. Well, don't they say intelligent people talk to themselves? So I don't know. I always judged my mom doing it. She's like, okay, where am I going? Where am I going? Like while she was driving. And I'm like, Uh, oh, geez, Louise. And now I do that all the time. And I, (laughs) I don't even mind. I'm like on my bike. Everyone can see you and hear you. And I'm like, okay, what? the crap are you doing right now white like where are you going what You're is just cursing happening? to yourself on your bike. <laughs> i pretty much do and like nobody's phased by it they don't care i love it they just so stare good. at me you know as is the nepali way it's i know fine. yeah it's great i love the open staring so yeah you just talk to yourself as much as you need oh thanks babe no judgment from me <laughs> <laughs> um do you like, has anybody caught you doing a Nepali nod or, like, pointing with your chin or anything like that? That's a great question. I don't think so. I mean, it's weird because I've been back to the U.S. every year since I've moved to Nepal. So I think I'm getting better at adjusting. You know, it's like I kind of have, like, different modes that I can switch into, you know? Mm. So I don't do, like, those weird things as much. One thing that I still do is when I'm driving, it's totally fine. But when I'm walking, I always want to go to the left. Oh, yeah. Instead of going to the right. Yep. And I I make other people uncomfortable because it's like we're <laughs> on the sidewalk. And I go to the left and they go to the right. And then we're like, oh, no. Uh, which side? <laughs> Keep doing that. Oh, which brings up another point. In Nepal, if that happened you would just take the other person by their shoulders and like move them. True. Right? Yeah, true. Yeah, that would be super weird here. I but feel like. in America, you can't really do that. <laughs> like, hi, stranger. I don't know you. I'm just going to touch you and physically move you out of my way. Yes. <laughs> you could try it, though. You know, just give it a go. That's true. Yeah. I feel like with certain people, it would be fine. You have to like be cautious about who you're doing it to <laughs> so they don't think you're like assaulting them. Just keep eye contact with them during the entire exchange and it'll <laughs> No, no, no. (laughs) That sounds horrifying. (laughs) Don't blink either. That's the most important part. Oh, gosh, no. Aggressive eye contact. I can't. (laughs) I feel like, though, that's another example of, like, something that I haven't adjusted to easily is that in a situation like that where something awkward happens, I feel like in Nepal you would just, like, move on, you know? But here, usually there has to be some kind of verbal acknowledgement, you know? (laughs) So you might like laugh or say like oh awkward funny or like you know something like there's just a lot more 
like verbal negotiation of social situations mm. in America. Low context. Mm-hmm. Very low context. Yeah. We need to explain ourselves all the time. Just like really be sure that we're not being misunderstood. And you need to smile. Yeah. Lots of smiling. Yeah. You need to smile mm-hmm. a lot. Yep. I am really curious about how you're dealing with kind of like stimuli mm. in America because we've talked about on the podcast before about how living in Kathmandu then you kind of get used to just being overstimulated all the time and I would imagine that like things are a lot quieter in general more insulated in like especially small town America so Yeah, have you, like, noticed that at all? Yeah, but you know what's interesting is that the stimuli is different, and so it's still hard. Mm. Like, I'm not used to it, so my brain doesn't know, like, what to pay attention to and what to ignore. Oh, man. Like, I found, especially for the first couple weeks I was here, I would react weirdly to noises, like, some noises that were not important. I would be like, what was that? Oh, my God. (laughs) And then other noises that clearly were meaningful I would totally ignore like a couple times I was sitting in my room in my friend's house and he was like trying to get my attention you know he was knocking on the door or like you know making a verbal noise outside the door or something and I just completely ignored it like (laughs) there was I just didn't process it at all so yeah it's like the noises that are significant are different here or something Mm. and I like it took me a bit to adjust to adjust my expectations to that oh man kind of weird i feel constantly kind of distracted oh like i keep forgetting things or like i don't you know like someone's trying to engage me in a conversation and i'm not really like connecting well with them and stuff and i think probably part of that is the stimuli Mm -hmm. like i might not consciously be aware of it but it's like i'm trying to process all these different you know sites that i'm not used to seeing or sounds or whatever And it's like too much of my brain is being taken up by that process (laughs) and I can't like function like a normal person. Did you have a point where you kind of realized that, oh my gosh, I actually am going through reverse culture shock? Because like you said at the beginning that you didn't really expect it. You thought that maybe you were immune. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I really noticed it like being here in North Dakota, which like I said, it's kind of a weird layered thing of like, Reverse culture shock to America, but also adjusting to new North Dakota culture. So, I mean, it's a little bit hard to parse, I would say. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think I didn't really think about it until we talked about doing this episode. Hmm. You, when you said like, oh, we should talk about you adjusting to the U.S. And I started writing down like some of my experiences. I was like, oh, my gosh, am I having reverse culture shock? <laughs> well, maybe you didn't know, but... Let me tell you, we knew. <laughs> Our friend Moon, who we had on the episode or the podcast right before Big went to America, uh, Moon and I were talking and Moon was like, yeah, I think she's having culture shock now that she's in North Dakota. <laughs> like, yeah, how could she not? She's from L.A. Yeah, so true. <laughs> but yeah, I think some of the... I mean, some of the normal symptoms of culture shock, like feeling like, oh, no one understands me, which I do feel that, but it's like in a different way because it's more like no one understands me because I'm from L.A., (laughs) not because I've been overseas. Yeah, I just find that I am like, it takes a ton of energy for me to have social interactions and I'm tired all the time and I, like I said, I'm distracted and um, I just am not as enthusiastic about life as I normally am, 
which probably like other people think I'm being normal, but for me, it, it's very different. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of well, yeah, I yeah. It, I don't know what I was gonna say. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the energy right, right. is gone. <laughs> eh, 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 eh. Yeah, my friend. Oh my gosh, I hung out with some of my high school friends um, a couple weekends ago. Oh, this should have been my amazing thing of the week. Mm. We went to Sedona, Arizona, which is a beautiful, amazing place. You guys should all visit there if you get the chance. Um, we should have a big and white retreat <gasps> yes, in Sedona. Please. Can we do that? Yes, I would love that. You all have to pay $10,000 <laughs> for a weekend because totally the podcast is expensive. <laughs> But yeah, I also got to hang out with a bunch of my high school friends. It was so grounding, like to have people that have known me since I was like 10, you know, like all in one place. And it was magical, but I was having trouble talking. (laughs) My friend called me a lorem ipsum generator. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, that was really good. And I feel like one of our friends that was there that weekend is one of our most loyal listeners. Hey, girl. And I really appreciated she like very directly asked me like how can we you know hear more about your time in Nepal like what's a good way for us to connect with you and like understand the what you've been experiencing over Mm -hmm. the years that we haven't experienced and stuff and I wish I had had a better answer for her at the time I was like oh you guys are (laughs) fine you know but it's fine because she's listening to the podcast so (laughs) true yeah (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I just, I really appreciated that, like, effort to really, you know, connect. And I feel like I should have just told her, like, when I start a sentence with, in Nepal, just, like, be excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to predict, too, right? Like, I feel like sometimes when I travel internationally and then I come back home, then I get, like, I'm so physically tired and that makes me really really grumpy Mm. and like normally I would really want to like tell people about my experiences and like represent Nepal or wherever I've been and then I just don't have the energy and then I get really grumpy and I don't want to talk about it at all so yeah that is true yeah it's really it's great that she asked like how can we interact with this kind of experience yeah you're so right though like it's not just oh other people aren't interested or other people don't know how to ask the right questions often it's like me because I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed I don't know how to communicate well my experience or like how people can be supportive of me or whatever too yeah so are there any other things that like you've kind of found that have helped you in the transition yeah, I mean, talking with you <laughs> helps me with the transition, too. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry I deserted you. Um, yeah, I mean, talking with people who know about Nepal. Like, mm-hmm. even there's a couple people here that I had met before I came here. One hasn't even been to Nepal. He's Indonesian, but I've met him at a couple mm-hmm. conferences in Asia. And I feel like talking with him is such a safe place. <laughs> oh. But, like, the professor that I'm working with has been to Nepal. Mm. And yeah, I think just talking with people who live in Nepal or know Nepal is really helpful. Yeah. And also just little things that like to me feel very grounding, which you're going to laugh because I'm so L.A., but like eating salads and drinking (laughs) kombucha. (laughs) But like for real, dude, like everybody in Kathmandu or all the like foreigners right now are like really worried about can I eat salad and fresh things right now? Because 
when it starts raining, then it, you know, you get like more parasites and cyclospora, which you can't get rid of just by washing the lettuce. And so mm-hmm. like people are like, oh, I don't know if they can eat fresh things, but you can. Yeah. I can. You can eat all of the I don't fresh have things. to question it. I know. Yeah. And I got like all the coffee implements. I got a pour over. I got some fancy Aww. coffee. And then my professor that I'm working with went to a sale at Salvation Army and he got an espresso machine for $1 and what? a French press for $1. <laughs> what? So we, in true uh, language survey fashion, have three ways to make coffee in oh, our office. <laughs> my gosh. That's amazing. It's glorious. Yeah. But I mean, so. is your French press like two liters like the French press in our offices? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, unfortunately. Uh. <laughs> Single serving. <laughs> but yeah, just like in doing things that I normally do, I think is like one of the most grounding things. So like I've been going to the gym and lifting weights like I was doing in Kathmandu. Yes. And I've been going running and enjoying reading books and just simple things. Uh yeah. Those always make me feel good. Well, I've definitely been living vicariously through your gym experiences. Because like, <laughs> I pretty much took Big's um, workout buddy, like me and Moon, and this workout buddy who Big used to work out with. Did that make sense at all? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we're all working out together now in the and same I'm gym. And I'm so jealous. I miss having workout buddies. I just go alone. And it's so sad. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine just always going alone. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Like, most of the time, I need somebody to kick my butt. Mm-hmm. Yep. But you have, like, equipment that we don't quite have. That's true. I do have a lot of access to cool, interesting equipment. So that's fun. And aisles of protein powder. Yeah, girl. Let me tell that's you. Like my dream. <laughs> I was so excited to go to the natural food store. I walked in and it had that like really unpleasant, funky natural food store smell. And I was oh, like, oh, yes. So happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm so, so jealous of that. Yep. So when I was planning for this episode, I kind of looked at a few different articles about reverse culture shock. And I feel like they didn't have anything, you know, totally like new and novel to say but just some tips for you guys like if you might be experiencing some reverse culture shock anytime soon um whether you're in america and your home is in asia you're in asia your home is in europe like whatever it's kind of similar to normal culture shock where you know you start out excited Except this time you're excited for all the familiar things, right? You know, oh, like maybe your favorite food, seeing people, like going to places, knowing how to do things, whatever. But then that wears off, you know, and the shock happens and you feel out of place. But you gradually adjust. I don't know. I didn't have as much of the euphoria, I feel like, when I came (laughs) back this time. I think mostly because I'm used to going back and forth a lot. And also because like a lot of the things that I used to miss about America is now available in Nepal. And some of the things I used to miss about America, I don't miss anymore because I like the way Nepal works better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But I guess that's part of the reverse culture shock, too, right? It's like you get back to your home country and you're like, oh, crap, like the place that I've been does this, you know, X, Y, and Z things better than my home country. So here's a quote. Reverse culture shock is experienced when returning to a place that one expects to be home, but actually is no longer. Mm. It's far more subtle and therefore more difficult to manage than outbound shock, precisely because it is unexpected and unanticipated. Mm. 
so you know you're spending a significant amount of time like learning the new patterns of how to act and how to think in your host country but then you get back and you kind of have to like reverse some of those things but you don't have to reverse everything I think that's like an encouragement that a lot of these articles talked about was like try to keep the good things from the new culture that you learned yeah. and incorporate them into your life um, when you're back quote home <laughs> Another thing that I thought was interesting that can cause culture shock is when you're an expat, you generally have more independence and responsibility than you will when you're back home. Hmm. And I never thought about that, but it's so true. Trying to picture. Like, it depends on what your job (laughs) is, obviously. But like, say, okay, so like, I mean, for example, our job, like, we're pretty independent. Like, I mean, we have structure to what we're supposed to do, but, you know, we're directing our own hours. Like, we're figuring out this program, you know. We're doing a lot of planning, whereas like maybe at a job in the U.S., we would have a lot more oversight, a lot more direction, a lot more like structure within which we have to work, you know, maybe bureaucracy or whatever. And of course, that's not true, like across the board, but it's kind of often a thing. And you might have like less, Mm -hmm. you know, social expectations on you as well when you're in another country or yeah, just some interesting thoughts about. Yeah, I like that they shock. said, like, you know, bring some of it with you. Like, you don't need to just completely conform to the perfect American specimen or wherever your passport country is. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Right. Yeah. It helps people in your home country understand more of your experience, you know. I mean, something simple like making food, you know, I made Nepali food for my friends in Oregon or like explaining to them how things work or just being kind of alternative. And like, even though everyone likes to text, maybe calling someone and just they might be surprised at first, but they might really like it or bring phones back to America. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, I will say I feel like when we talked about doing this episode, you were like, let's make it about how you have to leave. Whatever your host country is every once in a while. And I was like, thinking the opposite. Like, can I go back to Nepal now? Like, I'm done. I'm tired of America. I mean, and as we were talking about, like, as we were planning this episode, I didn't hadn't really thought about the fact that I didn't leave Nepal until I had been here for almost a year and a half. And then we went to Malaysia. And then I went to America. Mm-hmm. And then we've been to Cambodia. So I've been here for about two and a half years and have been out of the country three times. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to go to the UK in case I haven't talked about that enough. (laughs) But I kind of wonder, like, I definitely feel like I need to leave the country about every five to six months. Mm. But I kind of wonder, I hadn't thought about this, but I wonder if it's partially because I haven't really been able to, like, get all of the things that I feel like are important for me to stock up on. (laughs) You just need to leave the country to go shopping. Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, basically, (laughs) like... It's not cultural, it's not emotional, it's just for shopping. I mean, that like kind of plays into it a lot. Like I'm a very creative and expressive person and my clothes start falling apart and then I get so grumpy because I'm like, oh, I don't ever look good. I can't like express like what I want that I think that I should look like or like how I want to present myself to the world. And then I get just grumpy in general. But Enneagram three. Yeah. And four. (laughs) But yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely on the opposite side of the spectrum right now. Like I have to keep reminding myself how much I really do love Nepal Mm. because I'm 
tired right now. Like I need to be able to go and just not have a lot of responsibilities and be able to stock up. You guys, I've been going to the gym a lot and I just ran out of my protein powder and I can't buy any here because I can't have anything with dairy in it and I'm suffering. Yeah. Well, I hope I hope being in the UK is good. I mean, that's not your home culture either. So it will be a different kind of adjustment, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of terrified about what culture shock will be like in London. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yikes. I'm not a very well adjusted to like big city life. Like Mm -hmm. Kathmandu is a big city, but it has a a small town kind of feel to it because it's so relational. True. And so I'm like, holy crap, I'm going to have to take like the underground and like gonna like be in this big metropolitan city and i feel all like gross and dowdy (laughs) (laughs) like a a tiny little arkansan like what the crap am i doing here i don't know i'm scared (laughs) if you guys have any like recommendations let me know i'm all ears yeah can you please go to that pub that my friend just went to the ye old cheshire cheese yes (laughs) I mean, the name is amazing. And who who was it? Which author that like used to hang was out it there? Dickens? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Cheshire cheese. That so cracks good. me up so much because I say like, it's like a running joke. I feel like I'm like, ye old fluff head or, you know, something <laughs> like that. I'm like, holy crap. Am I supposed to move to London and open up a pub? Is that what I'm actually supposed to do with my life? I think that is your future. Maybe that could be your second career. You know? Yeah. I always say, like, I picture I'm like, if I had a mental breakdown from too much language survey, like, what would I do with my <laughs> life? What would my next job be? <laughs> Move Opening to London and start Yale Fluffhead Pub. You know it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Everybody would want to order a cocktail um, called the Fluffhead. Definitely. <laughs> it would have, like, cotton candy on it or something. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. <laughs> I definitely haven't had any thoughts about this at all. <laughs> no plans. <laughs> oh, man. Well, can I wrap up this uh, culture adjustment discussion by just saying, I don't know if this is encouraging to you or not, but I feel like I've noticed after, like, visiting so many different places and kind of being an expat for a significant chunk of time that I mean in a way it's hard because like nowhere fully feels like home anymore Mm. and I'm obviously still a foreigner in Nepal but I'm not as connected to the U.S. as I used to be but I think it's kind of I I don't know at least me personally I've developed this like symbiotic state where I kind of feel like I'm a bit floating but not in a bad way It's just like each culture and place that I visit no longer feels like overwhelmingly different or weird. It's like I can just kind of accept it. I'm like, oh, another new place. Okay. And (laughs) just kind of go with the flow. And, you know, I mean, it's a different feeling than when you don't travel as much and you go somewhere and you're like, oh, my gosh, mind blown. This is amazing. Um, But to me, it's equally satisfying. Just like, oh, it's so fun and interesting and uh, but not overwhelming to see new places and to experience new cultures and new ways of doing things and kind of trying to take a little bit of each of those places that I've seen with me and carry that into my life going forward. Hmm. That is nice. That's a nice thought or a nice perspective. And it, I think kind of like, cause 
I like that you can say that and it be absolutely true while also like saying like, man, I'm in America and it's hard and I'm like going through reverse culture shock. Mm. I think it's good. I think it's another another strong suit of people who live in countries that are not their passport country to just be able to be like, yeah, like you take it on and it's not like your floaty state is not necessarily like, "Mm, everything is fine and easy breeze. It's like, Mm. well, right now it's really hard. And like, that's okay. It can be hard. Yeah, definitely. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and then just work through it. So yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Well, good luck going to the UK. I hope it's amazing. Um, and I'm gonna buy a lot you can of take some powder. cool stuff. I was going to say, you can take some cool cultural stuff to bring home with you, but also <laughs> some cool protein powder to bring home with you. Oh, man. I feel so superficial with how excited I am to go shopping. <laughs> I'm not going to say you're not being superficial, but I do understand. That's okay. It's like this. That's my survival mode. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess it's time for our segment of the week. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so in this segment, we're going to be talking about linguistics. Yay, imagine that on this podcast. (laughs) Um, We're going to be talking about something called code switching, which we've probably mentioned a lot before because Big and I talk about it a lot in our daily lives. True facts. We observe this daily. Do you want to describe kind or give like kind of a definition of what code switching is before we give our big example? Sure. I feel like I should have looked this up because I don't have a very academic definition. (laughs) But it's basically when you're speaking with someone who has the same language repertoire as you, which means they know the same languages as you, and you switch between languages as you're talking. So you might start a sentence in one language and end it in another, or you might just throw in random words from another language. And the reason that you do this is for emphasis or effect or basically all the same reasons that you would make choice in one language, right? Like, why did you choose to use this word instead of another word? Maybe it has the right feeling to it. Maybe it refers back to an inside joke that you had with the person before. So it's basically doing that, except using multiple languages. Which is basically super fun. It is the funnest. It's I actually really miss that being in the U.S. right now because I'm not around anyone who speaks Nepali. Yeah. So I can't use all of these words that don't really exist in English but do exist in Nepali and you can like throw it in or you can use like... The Nepali verb, which kind of has a different sense than the English verb to kind of add like flavor and depth to your expression. And I can't do that and I miss it. Yeah, you need to find somebody with a shared repertoire. I know. I truly, <laughs> truly do. I should, I've heard a rumor that there's some Nepalis here, so I should go find their oh, store and yes, say random do. words to them. <laughs> it's like Paka cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I will say that just to add... Code switching is different from borrowing, which Mm -hmm. borrowing in a language would be like English loves to do borrowing. Maybe we should have just a full other segment about this. Yes. But like where you would take a word from another language and turn it into your own language. So we would say like we 
anglicize something or we americanize something so right. like and that's the word know. you n- use now right so like we borrowed tsunami from japanese because we didn't have a word and that's the only word we have yep we're not like switching into japanese for a second nope that's our word now right okay so now that we've gone through that i have a video for you guys because we don't... I'm excited. I haven't seen it. <laughs> we shouldn't, you know, really like talk in Nepali and try to code switch like Nepalis do. That just <laughs> doesn't entirely work. But this is a YouTube video from a guy named James Shrestha. He's Nepali and he lives in the UK now. And, um, he's, and he's like... amazing. Yeah, he's super YouTube famous. <laughs> um, and he's freaking adorable. So, yeah, he's really, really fun to watch. (laughs) I'm sure that's the adjective he wants. (laughs) Yes, adorable. Thank you. (laughs) He knows it. (laughs) Oh, but he is a prime example of code switching. He'll go between English and Nepali really effortlessly in his videos. And in this video, he's playing a prank on his girlfriend. So... (laughs) He just to set the set the scene because I'm gonna start the video from one of the last bits just to give you code switching example. Um, but he has sent a text to his girlfriend from his mom's phone saying, "I don't know what's happening with James. Can you call him? He just ran out of the house crying." <laughs> oh, no. And his girlfriend immediately texts him, and she's like what the heck are you doing? I'm in class. I'm studying for finals right now. I can't, you can't do this, James. Like you're freaking your mom out. What? Like stop being so um, immature. You're hurting your parents. (laughs) So then he feels really bad because he doesn't realize she's been studying for finals, but he can't back out of the prank now. Although I will say something really interesting for them is that she talks to him in full English. Like, Hmm. Not like Kathmandu, Nepali, where you switch, you know, between Nepali and English, but she says everything in English, even though he's speaking like in Nepali and English both. Huh. So that's really interesting. Anyway. Like language choice. Yeah. Usually you would match the person that you're talking to. So, right. And I think I she's wonder what in that Kathmandu. means. Like, does that have to do with like what she wants from him or like her emotional state at the moment or the fact that she's studying. So she's like in English brain. That's a good question. There's so many reasons I could be. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe you guys can decide. (laughs) So from this point in the video, I think James has just told his girlfriend that it's a prank and she's like reacting to that. (laughs) <laughs> I just thought like I'd make a scenario like a little dramatic dramatic would you ever prank me in the future why would I even answer that I don't know so I'm sure you you're gonna try and prank me but I have plenty of pranks up my sleeve I just wanted to say sorry for pranking you I know you were like obviously Timmy Glassman Timmy worried too obviously I'm worried too I but I just want to say sorry. Okay, okay. How could you do something like this? How could you do something like this? Well, I'm because sorry. Didi like it was already too late. Ani, like, I didn't want to stop the prank. Nice. You know, my viewers, Anna, can you say, um, thanks for watching and <laughs> subscribe to my channel? <laughs> That's really funny. There it is. <laughs> There's something about the way he says like that cracks me up. I don't know why. <laughs> like, 
I know. He has like a British accent too, which is hilarious. It's like it's a weird mix of like Nepali accent. Nepali English and British. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. But yeah, she she like hardly speaks Nepali at all. Yeah. Like she adds in something. She was like, oh, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Some like little. Or like, what did you do, Bana? Yeah. That's super interesting. I wonder how she talks to him when she's not mad. Yeah. <laughs> she uses more Nepali or less. Her name is Rosie, which I think is like adorable because it sounds like Rosie. Yeah. I like it. That's awesome. Well, thanks for uh, showing us that amazing example of code switching. Yeah. You guys go and look up James Shrestha. This is called Girlfriend Prank Amakotek. <laughs> Which means so. mother's text. <laughs> oh, wait. Tell them about the text that you can see before that, like, cracked me up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so I don't remember if he said this in English or not, but they were talking about when he's explaining how he tricked his girlfriend. He was like, well, how did you know that it was my mom that sent the text? And she's like, well, your mom always says hi to me when she begins a message. And so, like, when he's sending the text originally to her, um, you can see the whole message history in WhatsApp. <laughs> and it's just, like, a lot of his mom being like, hi, <laughs> hi. And then Roji being like, hi, auntie. <laughs> so <good>. Hi. Hi. <laughs> And, and yet, oh. yep, we know that we get those kind of messages. We know too, that, so. like, <laughs> that that communal culture. You gotta greet people always. I love it. <laughs> oh man! Well, thanks for sharing. That was amazing. And thanks to you guys for listening. We love you. Yeah, you're awesome. Find us on the internet. Thank you so much for reviewing the podcast on. The various mediums, especially Apple Podcasts, we've been getting some really sweet reviews, and it makes us feel like we might be doing something right. So thank you for that. It really does. Thanks, you guys. And yeah, keep listening. We'll see you next week, I guess. Yep. Until then. Should we hang up I now? guess I'm going to go. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go. Okay. I, I'll, I, I guess I'm going to hang up. I'm okay. Hang up All right. Phone. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm going okay. to put the okay. phone okay. down. Go eat some food. Yep. Okay. 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 All right. Okay, 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 great, 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 bye, okay, bye, bye. Yeah, you want to talk about my London going? Oh, Lord, kill me and my syntax. (laughs) I didn't even notice.